Oh, it's so good to, to be with you all this morning. Uh, we are, if, if this is your first time with us, we are in a series called The Movement. And we just believe it's a faith thing. Wherever you look in scripture, you will always find that um, faith is followed by an action. When God asks someone to move in faith, they never sit still. There's always a movement. And we believe that what we can do in our time is start a movement of faith that will change our city. Where we believe, where we trust, no matter what we see, no matter what we hear, we will be able to start a movement. And no matter how things are going in our lives, because of faith, we will move. We will never stand still. And that's what I want to talk about today, is to not stand still. So I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles. We're going to go to the book of 2 Chronicles, chapter 20. And in this experience in the Bible... So we, we talk about experiences because, like I said last week, these are real people that experienced real issues and saw a real move of God, and we want that. So as we look at this experience, here we have King Jehoshaphat. He's the king of Judah at this moment. Um, Israel has split into two parts, and um, he's just come out of a crazy war where he, he partnered, we, he allied with King Ahab. Now, you would know King Ahab from last week's message. Um, he was a really bad king. Uh, he was king over Israel. And Elijah spoke to him and said, hey, you need to change your ways. Because until I say, there ain't going to be rain. No showers. No swimming pools. And... Um, God does a mighty work through Elijah is what we read last week. And we found out that no matter what happens, no matter what the world says, no matter the report you get, just keep going. Go again. Pray again. Stand up again. Try again. Just move again. And here we find Jehoshaphat. He partnered with King Ahab, which he didn't or wasn't supposed to do. And he just narrowly escapes with his life. And so, as he's busy sorting out the kingdom, returning to God, everything seems to be on track, he gets this report that a great army is coming to attack them. But they're not coming from the normal place, which is from the front. They're kind of sneaking up behind them. And he gets this report, and we're going to pick up from where Jehoshaphat doesn't know what to do. But he has been doing something all his life, and that is what got him favor with God, and that is by turning to the Lord. And so here in 2 Chronicles 20, where we're going to start reading this experience, this is them turning to the Lord, and this is the response. From verse 13, it says, All the men of Judah, with their wives and children and little ones, stood there before the Lord. Then the Spirit of the Lord came 
on Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Metaniah, a Levite. Now remember what we said as we go through these names. Pray about them and pick one for your next child. Because these are unforgettable names, people. I wanted to name um, my... My third child, my oldest is Judah, then it was Jaden, and when my third child was born, I wanted to do, when, when we found out my wife was pregnant with my third, I'm like, Jedediah will be a great name. And my wife's like, you know it's a girl. I'm like, it works both ways. And, and, and she wouldn't, she, she, she kept arguing with me, and I said, but just think about it. Everybody likes to abbreviate names. Now imagine our daughter sitting in class and all of a sudden the principal over the intercom goes, could Jedi Bridgens please come to the office? Everybody will fear that woman. But as uh, you know, my wife won and we've got a Rebecca, so let's carry on. A Levite, a descendant of Asaph, as he stood in the assembly, he said, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. You will not have to fight this battle Take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. Today, I want to encourage your faith as we look at this experience from this title don't do nothing. Can we pray? Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for your word. That in the craziest of moments, you speak to us. You are with us and that you go before us. And so I pray that as we open this passage, I ask that you will do what only you can do that you will encourage us, and strengthen us, and grow us in this word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, anybody have a tough week? Tough day? Tough five minutes? Tough encounter? Anyone? Um, we, 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 had a, we had a battle this week as well. Uh, the kids loved it. They were all sick. They got to stay home. It was like holiday for them. But... When it comes to having tough moments, what we want to do is not kind of pursue anything at that point in time. Uh, before my wife and I got married, I used to play rugby, and I, I played for one of the mine teams back where we came from, and we, we were doing well in our season, but we had quite a few tough matches, and going into the playoff season, uh, the week before, we had just played one of our 
toughest matches ever, and we were going in to play them again to decide who will move on to the next round. However, we were a little bit concerned because of a lot of our players, because we're not professional, you know, we still have to work, and most of them worked on weekends, and this specific weekend, a lot of our main players weren't available. So we were going into this game, you know, kind of shorthanded, if I can put it that way. But we still practiced, we woke up early, it was an away game, we climbed on the bus and in our cars and we traveled an hour and a half to the field where we were going to play this other team. Now, we barely beat them the previous week. And so a lot of people were talking about, guys, you need to watch this guy, you need to do this, don't forget, breathe. If you cry, cry in the scrum, no one will see, and then you know, just stand up and run like a man. And um, so everybody, we, we were like kind of psyching ourselves up and getting ready for the game. And as we arrive on the field, um, all our supporters are there and only a few of theirs. And after 10 minutes of waiting, they come to us and they're like, they had to forfeit because more than half of their team did not pitch. And we were like, Yes, there is a God. <laughs> and we were so relieved. We climbed back on the bus. We came home. And the thing is, we had to still go to the field in order for us to win that match. If they had let us know beforehand, our guys wouldn't have pitched. And if both teams didn't pitch, would have ended up in a draw. And then we would have to play on in any case. But because we showed up, we got the points, which means we got to move on. And sometimes in our walk with Jesus, when we are trusting for breakthrough, going through a tough season, encountering crazy situations, we take verse 17 of this passage that we read and we kind of make it our slogan, you know, I won't have to fight, God will fight for me, and then we do Nothing. However, verse 17 says, you won't have to fight. How, and there's this, but afterwards. You don't have to fight, but you still need to stand, get ready, and go. There is a movement that you have to do because we become passive Christians if we just go, you know what? God's going to fight my battles and I'm just going to sit here. I don't know how many of you guys, husbands, have you ever gotten into a fight with your wife and just sat down and like, the Lord will fight on my behalf? It has never happened that way. I had to get up and go and go, I have to fight the demon within me and look at my wife who is the angel of God and go, you know what? I'm sorry. Because nothing comes from doing nothing. No matter how you think about that saying, nothing comes from doing nothing. We still have to prepare ourselves. We still need to get up. We still need to go. You see, Jehoshaphat was facing a problem. He had 
just come out of the battle, we, like I said, where he nearly died. God speaks to him, and he gets everything back in order. And how many of you guys have ever felt like that? You know, things are just going good. You know, there are no bulls. The kids are healthy. You know, everything is fine, and then car breaks. Kids get sick. You get sick. The geezer. How many of you guys love it when your geezer bursts? It's always, you know, I wish my geezer would tell me, like there would be the setting that says, hey, like could you please check the geezer over these next couple of weeks because something could go wrong? It, it happens at the worst time, at nighttime when you're sleeping, away when you're not at home. The geezer never breaks when you're at home. Have you noticed it waits for you to leave? Sneaky little stuff. But just when you think everything is fine, something sneaks up on you. And this is what happened with Jehoshaphat. Just when he thought everything was going to be okay, three armies band together, not one, not two, but three, and decide we're going to take him out. And in our lives, we look at it that one thing happens, and when we get there, we go, how can this be? You, you guys know the lines like, but Jesus, I prayed this week. I went to church. I sent Milo a message. I'm a good person. How many of you guys know, doesn't matter how good you are, you're still going to get into trouble. Doesn't matter how much good you do, things are still going to go wrong. And so no matter what happens, when you are in a situation, there are certain things that we have to do. Even though I trust in God, I've still got to move. And so the first thing I want us to look at as we continue in this series, when it comes to moving in faith, when a situation arises, the first thing we need to do is build confidence in a crisis. Jehoshaphat doesn't sit down and say, oh, woe is me. You know that things, nobody loves me, everybody hates me, I'm going to eat some worms. He doesn't do that. A lot of us, something happens and we go, ach, near, not again, and we go and sit in a corner. But Jehoshaphat does something amazing. Um, I didn't enjoy reading books. Any readers out there? Who, who loves reading? Who loves reading comics? Who loves reading words on TV? <laughs> there, there are those. My, my, my wife knows. That's how much reading I do. I put on one of these dubbed Chinese movies. It's like, <laughs> my daughter actually comes around and is like, Dad, are we going to watch a reader again? I'm like, yes, we are. <laughs> but... Um, there was this one specific book um, that my wife bought me uh, just before we planted the church. And the book is about these Navy SEALs. And in the one part of this book, this guy tells us that their training, they had to do things over and over. And it could be like the simplest thing. They would get a rifle and they would have to strip it and put it back together. And they had a certain amount of time that they had to do it in. And no matter what they did, they went out for a 21-kilometer 
jog before breakfast, they would have to come back and dismantle a gun and put it back together. They'll go through the craziest training and they'll have to take it apart and put it together. They had to do it over and over. They would wake them up at what time in the morning, just after they've gone to sleep, after getting beaten up through training, and then they would wake them up and they would have to dismantle a gun and put it back together. And we go, yeah, that makes no sense. But he explains it that in a crisis situation, you have to be confident enough that if your weapon fails you, you know what to do. So they do all this training beforehand so that when they get into a situation, everything is automatic. I know someone You know, certain things are automatic. Who's got routines in the morning? So you wake up and you've got a set routine you do before you leave the house. Okay? I, I know there's a toilet break in there for most of us. Sometimes the toilet break is what gets us moving. You see, Jehoshaphat does something that he's been doing all his life that is not really automatic to most people. Because even when he teamed up with King Ahab, the thing that Jehoshaphat did was he sought God to find out what we must do. And the first thing he does when this army approaches them, when he hears about the army, is he goes and find out by God, Lord, what do we do? You see, we need to... Start our day by creating habits. What is your habit in the morning? What is your habit in the day? I know my kids are awake when they do a specific thing. So we have a routine to wake them up. So at a certain time, Ali would come out of her room and then she'd wake up the kids and then she'd go and get ready. Then a couple of minutes after, I'd go back and wake them up again and then come back into the kitchen and get their stuff ready. And then there'll be one more wave of going to wake them up. And you know when my kids are awake is when air escapes from their bodies and not through their face. Then you know that my kids are awake. If you do not hear that sound, you'd have to go again. The moment you hear them stretch and it sounds like all war has broken out and there's gunfire from the oldest to the most adorable Rebecca, if that sound doesn't escape them, they are still hibernating. So there are these routines. What, are you, what, what, what habits, what routines do you have? You see, it might sound obvious to pray before, but most of us don't. And so what we need to do is we need to create this habit. We, we came out of series about talking about family vibes. And one of the family vibes that we are talking about is that we need to start praying. Praying with each other. Praying for each other. And that is why we have prayer requests. Prayer cards. Guys, I challenged our team this morning. I don't know what you are going through or what you are waiting for. But can I ask you? It doesn't matter how big or how small it is. Can we pray with you? Because that is what Jehoshaphat did. He called a time of prayer and fasting for everyone. 
And once again, I have to show you that he doesn't just run to the priests. He runs to the men, the women, the children. If you have a look around you at this moment, there are people that you don't know that are willing to stand with you in a gap to see your breakthrough come. Fill out a form. If you're too scared to speak to someone, get over it. Write it down. Give it to us. We're going to pray for you. But we need to build confidence in a crisis. Any Ghostbusters fans out of here? I grew up watching Ghostbusters. And there's that song, when there's something wrong in your neighborhood, who are you going to call? <laughs> in a specific match, when things kind of got out of hand, we were confident enough we wouldn't be beaten up because we had a set of guys with a set of skills, and they would find you. You build confidence when you surround yourself with people that are stronger than you to take you through a specific situation. So when you get into a crisis, I'm saying if you want to build confidence, you have to have started praying already or surround yourself with people that will stand with you. Don't just sit there. You've got to do something. When you know someone is praying with you and for you, you feel a whole lot better. It gives you this drive to go forward. Have a look here in 2 Chronicles 20 verse 20. It says, then early in the morning, what did they do? They left for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, listen to me. Judah and people of Jerusalem, have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets and you will be successful. When he says have faith, they have already started moving. Because we believe that we don't walk by sight, by what we see. We walk by faith in who we believe. I remember my very first club game, just come out of... Um, High school, playing for uh, one of the big teams um, back home. And I was joking with my dad because I was the water boy that day. I didn't even make it for the squad. I was one of the smallest guys on the team. And half time, one of the guys get injured. And I run with the water bottles to the try line because that's what the water boy does. And I turn to my dad and I'm like, hey, I'm going on. And, and I go and give them water. Next minute, the water bottles come off, but Milo doesn't. And my dad goes, where is he? And I show him, I'm like, I need my scrum cap. <laughs> like, why? It's like, I'm going in. And the first thing that happens off kickoff, one of the biggest guys catches the ball and runs down the line and I'm the only one standing there and the only thing going through my mind is I can do all things through Christ who saves me. I can do all things through Christ who saves me. And I'm like, what I saw was, man, I've got to step out of this guy's way 
But I'm like, no, I can do this. And we need to be that. It doesn't matter what we see because like we heard last week, I could see a drought, but what has God spoken to you about in your life? Keep moving. Go again. I can see that, look what my finances are showing me. There is a big problem, but you know what? In faith, I get to wake up tomorrow and God, I'm going to do it again because I'm trusting you for breakthrough. I have seen that the work before me is impossible, but Lord, you have called me to pursue this career, so I'm going to keep going. It doesn't matter what you see. It's what you do in faith. Because after he prayed, he did what God told him to do, and he moved forward. Because when it comes to faith, you don't wait for it, you walk in it. You cannot wait for your faith to grow. Have you ever prayed, Lord, grow my faith? God doesn't grow your faith. He gives you opportunities for your faith to grow. You see, God didn't give David faith to kill Goliath when he saw Goliath because he wasn't doing anything before that. God gave him faith to kill Goliath because he had killed a bear. He had killed a lion. And so when he looked at this guy, he's like, it's just the same thing with more meat. And look at that sword. It's going to be mine. That is all. We need to make sure that it doesn't matter how big the situation is. Our faith is the thing that needs to grow. My son, uh, it's his, one of his duties to feed the dogs. And so we buy these big 20 kg bags of dog food. And so uh, when he was a whole lot smaller, I used to carry it for him fill the dog's buckets up, and then he would just feed them from there. But he's turning 13, and so I decided, flip it, oh, you're 13, you should be able to carry me. And so what we do now is, when I buy the dog food, I'm like, hey, the dog food is in the bucky, will you please get it out? How many of you guys know my son is very enthusiastic to do that? He skips along like, no, gravity becomes his biggest friend. He's like, I can't, why? So what I used to do is I used to take it to a certain area and let him do the rest. And then I'd leave it a little bit further. Until now, I'm going, Judah, please get the dog food. And he carries it all the way to where it needs to be. Why? Because you have to give your faith an opportunity to grow. You've got to test it. You've got to stretch it. You've got to walk in it. So every trial you face, every tough season you go through is an opportunity for your faith to grow. Guys, I know this. It might take longer than what you think it is. But God is working and changing you before he works and changes the season. Because he's preparing you not only for what you're going through now, but what you might be going through later. Take a breath. Listen. 
Don't just stand still. But look how far God has brought you. If you're here today, you're stronger than what you think you are. If you are here today, you've got more in you than what the devil has been lying to you about. You need to psych yourself up a bit. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Faith is the evidence of things hopeful. Substance, things not seen. The substance of things hopeful, the evidence of things not seen. And in plain English, this is what faith is. It doesn't matter what I see, what I hear, what I feel. I'm going to trust in God. That is what faith is. So we need to get to a point where we don't wait for it, but we walk in it. And so the guys, they got up, they got ready, and they went. And I just want to close off with these last two verses. Now, you guys have heard of dad jokes, eh? And last week, I'm like, I'm going to do that... um, Corny pastor stuff, you know, where I try and rhyme things together. But it, it, I've noticed it really sticks. Someone in the church used it against me last week as well. Come on, Mala, you got to faith the facts. So I'm like, okay, well, then someone else can use something cheesy against me this week again. 2 Chronicles 20, verse 21 to 22, it says, After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Before I carry on, I just want, they hadn't seen the army at this point. They haven't arrived at the battlefield. All they did was they got up, they got dressed, And they left, and then they started singing and declaring the goodness of God. A lot of us get to a point where it's like, Lord, if you bring me through this, I will praise you. But Jehoshaphat is showing, no, no, no. We praise him because he is God, and because he is God, he is good. And I walk by faith, not by what I see, so I'm not going to wait. I'm going to praise And then verse 22 says, as they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab on Mount Sire who were invading Judah and they were all defeated. Some of you are going through something at this moment. Can I say, don't wait for God to do something. What we need to do is, we need to raise a praise. I love my cheesiness. Because a lot of times we raise our hands and we go, oh no, I can't anymore. This is too tough. I'm giving up. But instead of raising our hands in defeat, can we raise our hands in praise? I know it's not easy. When you look at the bulls piling up and you're trusting God to do something amazing, but
but for the past few years, nothing has changed. God didn't save you to give you money. He saved you being right standing with God. So no matter what you're trusting for, can I ask you, raise a praise. Walk in faith. Build confidence in a crisis. Because the moment you praise, it takes focus of what is in front of you at that moment. Because you have to look up to the one that provides everything for you. So if you want to start a movement today, start it in your bedroom. What is the soundtrack of your life at this moment? What is the song that is playing that gets you into his presence instead of keeping you away from it? If you don't have one, take one from a Sunday service. I'm going to see a victory. The battle belongs to the Lord, but you know what? I'm still going to walk in faith. I am not defeated. Don't do nothing. Pray, walk, worship. Can we pray?